and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. It, uh, first name is uh, Philip with one L, P-H-I-L-I-P. Last name is Schneerson. It's S-C-H-N-A-Y-E-R-S-O-N. And where's your office located? It's uh, in Hayward at 225 West Clinton Avenue. How long have you been there? Let's see. I guess since 1970, well, not, probably about 1980. So, and, uh, and, and how would you describe your practice? What kind of practice of law do it's you have? It's a criminal-only primarily Alameda County, but <clears throat> I do federal cases as well. I've done federal cases in uh, San Jose, Oakland, San Francisco, state cases, nine Bay Area counties with primarily in Alameda County. Now, you and I have something in common, which is we both grew up in New Jersey. So Correct. Where, uh, where, where was that and where did you go to high school? I grew up in Patterson, uh, New Jersey, which was an industrial town, very blue collar, um, has a lot of history founded by Alexander Hamilton because there was a, um, a really uh, useful falls. They call it the Great Falls now, but high school. So it was a, a solid, uh, the public schools were solid. They were good schools. The teachers were all teachers who had been uh, happy to get jobs as teachers in the depression. And by the time I was in school in the uh, early fifties, they were veteran teachers uh, and good ones. Now, after you graduated from high school, where'd you go to college? Uh, Rutgers. It was the state university. And um, given the economics of our family, um, it was about the only place I could really afford to go. My dad was a pharmacist, but he um, he never, you know, he had his own store. And, uh, but, you know, Rutgers was a wonderful school. Yeah, I understand you have a story about getting in there and the discussion you had to have. <laughs> I went to see the uh, admissions director, whose name was Dr. Kramer. And he looked at my um, transcript and my transcript had some good things about it. My SATs were quite good, uh, definitely qualified me for uh, entry. But my deportment had not been great. I had been kicked out of school a few times for mischief. So the, he said to me, your deportment is awful. He said, I've never seen somebody get a 95 in a course with unsatisfactory deportment. And uh, I said, oh, well, I was high school. I mean, I'll, I'll do better in college. And um, I, my freshman year, half of the class flunked out. And that's what they expected to happen. Rutgers at that time was all male and uh, had about 5,000 students. He said to me, well, Mr. Schneerson, he said, you qualify for admission, but I don't think you're going to make it. I mean, I look at your department and I look at some of the students entering here, and I'd be interested in knowing if you graduate, because I, I frankly don't think you will. So, you, uh, well, I did. And then uh, at my um, 
I was on my way to walking across campus after I, when I was about to graduate, there was a baccalaureate and I saw him. So I went up to him and I reminded him of what he said to me. And I said, I'm graduating. I'm graduating with honors, et cetera, et cetera. I've been admitted to NYU's law school, um, which was even then a difficult school to get into. And I had done very well. And he said, oh, I said that to all the kids. And I, I, I thought he had always said it to me. And I haven't thinking about it for four years. It actually was inspirational. So when did you first start thinking about going to law school? Actually, when I went into college, I thought I was going to go to medical school. But my uncle was a lawyer and he had had some pretty famous cases. And I remembered thinking, gee, that looks like a pretty good deal. I mean, everybody seems to look up to my Uncle Lou. And I loved some of the liberal arts uh, subjects. And so I, I majored in uh, political science and history by the time I was a junior. Hmm. Now, when you graduated from uh, law school, where did you go? What did you do? I went to the VISTA offices, and uh, VISTA was Volunteers in Service to America. It was also a uh, uh, deferment, uh, and it was uh, projects in the United States. And they offered me an opportunity to help set up a bail project either in Philadelphia or San Francisco. Bail projects I were familiar, was familiar with because the Manhattan Bail Project was um, was manned by the Vera Institute of Criminal Justice at NYU. And basically they did interviews of people who were arrested, gave point designations for how long people had lived in a place, their stability within their community, their prior record, and their uh, roots in the community. And that was a model for several cities and they were uh, forming one in Philadelphia and another one in, in San Francisco about the time I went into the program. And I was going to go to Philadelphia. I figured it's close to home. I knew my friends were there. I'd just get on a train. I could go to New York on the weekends. But everybody said, nah, go to San Francisco. It's only for a year. And it's a gorgeous city. And some people in my program had been there and said, it's, it's a real knockout. You'll like it. So I landed in uh, San Francisco in December, I think the second week of December in 1965. And I had been living, of course, in law school in New York City and had been living in the village and was part of the nightclub scene there. Not the fancy nightclub scene, but the one in the village. And I thought I was as hip as they came. Uh, and um, when I got to San Francisco, it was just about the time that it was LSD was still legal and people were taking LSD and the, the, the goings on in the Haight-Ashbury had just begun. And I could not believe my eyes about some of the things that were happening here. And I said, God almighty. I mean, San Francisco was where it was happening. Yeah. I was just wondering if you could be specific about some of the things in San Francisco that were so fascinating at the time. Well, when I arrived one of the volunteers told me that there was this three-day dance. This was in January, I think, of 66. And it was at one of the venues, either Longshoreman's Hall or the Avalon Ballroom. And I said, a three-day dance? I'd never heard of such a thing. It turned out it was Ken Kesey's Trips Festival. And I walked into what I thought was going to be something like a nightclub scene, and 
it was way beyond that. I mean, it was half-dressed people, totally stoned. Uh, and and I said, I had never seen anything like it. I mean, people in New York had been drinking and dancing, but they didn't, they didn't stay up for three days. And um, most of the time they had clothes on. For, I think, five bucks, you could go to the uh, Fillmore. And for that five bucks, I got to see the opening act was Richie Havens. The main act was Janis Joplin and Big Brother and the Holding Company. And again, I said, holy, holy moly, this stuff is, I haven't seen live shows like this for this cheap. And it was, it was wonderful. I mean, the, these were great crowds and it was great music. And it was wonderful seeing these people before they became really super duper famous. Well, let me just pull this back in for just a second. Can you uh, can you give us like a brief history of your your legal career? For the first two years, I worked at the bail project, and basically, we would um, we started at six in the morning interviewing people on the uh, fifth floor of the San Francisco City Jail. These were people that had just been arrested, had not yet been arraigned, <clears throat> and then from about Eight o'clock till noon, we uh, checked their references, uh, make sh- made sure they lived where they said, made sure they worked where they said, uh, made sure they had family where they said, looked at their prior records. And then if they had a point total that was sufficient, we brought it to a judge who then released them on their own recognizance. When did you move At- over to the Alameda County? I got a job with a law firm in the city. And that's when we moved to a little cottage in Berkeley, in the flats. And I worked at that job for a year. And basically, the the clock moved backwards all the time I was working for the this law firm. They did insurance defense, and I hated it. But I had made a friend in a man named Mike Balacci, who later became a judge in Alameda County. And Mike said... Mike had been a DA in Contra Costa County, but also had been a public defender in Alameda County. And he knew I was unhappy in my job. And he got me an interview with uh, the then public defender, John Nunes. And I became a uh, public defender in April of 1969. And so how was your experience as a public defender in Alameda County? Oh, I loved it. I, I, I loved every minute of it. But, you know, we, because for a good portion of it, I was the public defender in the small Berkeley office, which had maybe three attorneys and the district attorney during that time in Berkeley was a guy named Buzz De Vega, who until he died was, I considered one of my, one of those people I loved the most. And uh, I know, you know him as well. Um, Yes. We were very good friends. He was was a wonderful guy. And so we had a good time and um, it was not unusual for Buzz myself the other person in the public defender's office, uh, Arlene West, and a couple of other people in the PA's office that would go out to lunch on Friday afternoons to Trader Vic's. And we'd each have two drinks, either had to have a flower or an umbrella. And after those drinks, we would then order food, but we would lay out all the next week's uh, jury trials and other uh motions or, or preliminary hearings and resolve all the cases. I mean, after two drinks and some good food, 
there was very little disagreement on what should happen on the cases. And it was a wonderful time. It was very informal. And uh, we don't have that today in these offices, unfortunately, but we did then. So what'd you do? I went to, I went to the state public defender's office. Um, Paul Halvonic helped organize that office and they did mostly appeals. And at the time they did prison trials and I got that. I did prison trials in um, several of the California institutions. I did trials in um, uh, out of crimes committed in San Quentin, in Vacaville, in Folsom, and in Soledad. And so I got to travel among the counties, which was a lot more interesting than just staying in one county, Alameda County. But near the end of the second year, I was offered a job with a private firm, which included Penny Cooper, because her partner, Jim Newhouse, had left and gone to live in Monterey, and they needed somebody to help uh, in their office in Hayward. And so I started practicing in Hayward, probably that was about 1978. And I stayed for a couple of years and then uh, went out on my own, opened up an office in the same building I'm currently in, because the Hayward courts were right across the street. They've since moved to Dublin, but at the time it was terrific to be right across the street from the court. And I, and I stayed, I, no, I'm still in that building, and that's what, 40 years ago. And you had a, uh, a, a long partnership with uh, Jesse Garcia, is that correct? I did. And uh, and Garcia and Schneerson was at one time really uh, the sort of premier firm in uh, Southern Alameda County. Would I'd say we were one, one of them. I think that uh, our firm handled some of the uh, most notorious cases in the county. Uh, there were several wonderful lawyers in Alameda County, you being one. And uh, Jules Bonjour had a good firm with Mike Thorman. Uh, I think Tim Reen was another lawyer who we highly respected and still do. Uh, but we were, we were what was going on in um, Southern Alameda County for a, a quite a long time. And in the middle eighties, um, at the height of the drug wars, um, we, we, uh, we held sway. We had a wonderful experience practicing law. Then. What do you really like about practicing law? The, the pure aspects of criminal law are far more interesting than the aspects of civil law. That's number one. So if you have to be a lawyer, being a criminal lawyer may not bring you the money you get from practicing in the civil sphere, uh, but it's pure law. It's, it's uh, good and bad. It's jury trials. It's uh, action. I like the criminal lawyers. I mean, I've always maintained that criminal lawyers are really civil to each other. The prosecutors get to know you and you see them all the time. So you, you're very straightforward. In the civil practice, I claim people are criminal to each other. My, uh, my experience in the civil side was that you don't get to see the civil lawyers but maybe once in a, in your career or uh, usually. Um, and uh, they can't be trusted. Uh, with, you know, there's, there is a, a code of ethics in the criminal uh, sphere that is rigorously followed by the practitioners of criminal law, both on both sides. 
And I like. Yeah, I agree. I, I I agree. Is is there anything that you don't like about practicing law? Well, yes. I think that it doesn't give me or you enough time to get on our bicycles, which is our our passion. <laughs> and what about, and as, as well, you know, like when you first started, and I'm, you know, it's a while ago, but I mean, has practicing law met or differed from your expectations? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, when you see the nonsense of what you see on TV about what a criminal lawyer does, um, it's it's nowhere near what what actually occurs. I mean, we don't uh, there's there is a sorority fraternity aspect towards the uh, uh, in, in criminal law. I mean, whether you're a prosecutor or a defense attorney, um, given that. Ethically, you are honest with each other, which is true. The um, the best thing about it is that you get to see these really wonderful people, whether they're young or old. You, you you develop a relationship with these people. You see them on a pretty much on a daily basis. Although right now, I don't know how it's going to um, turn out. Um, it's never going to be quite the same uh, until we get a. Uh, a vaccine for COVID-19, but, um, you know, you see each other in court, you know, you get to know each other's families to some degree. Uh, you get to know, uh, the politics of the different people and there, there are discussions. There's, there's a lot of downtime in the courtroom because you have to wait for your case to be called. Uh, your clients, for the most part, if you're a public defender, you have to accept what they, uh, what they give you, and it can, you, some of the clients can be abusive, but not in the private practice. In the private practice, if they are abusive, you can say to them, I don't want to represent you. Uh, here's your money back. Uh, find a lawyer who you can beat up, not me. Um, and I like that aspect of it, too, being able to choose my clients. Do you think that the uh, criminal justice system is basically a fair system? It's the worst system of justice that I can envision, except for all the others. Um, are there any people in the, in the system uh, or who, you know, you really consider mentors, someone who really uh, influenced the way you look at things in a positive way? Uh, I think that when I first started, I had a lot of heroes in the public defender's office, uh, uh, in Alameda County, who um, really practiced law on a very high level. I mean, uh, they, um, I thought that uh, Penny Cooper was uh, a person who I liked to, the way she practiced. I enjoyed uh, some of the judges uh, uh, who I could name, Marty Pulich, and uh, they, they were exceptional people. And a lot of the judges were exceptional. They had come out of World War II and they brought with them the knowledge that having done, having killed people, some of them, that good people could do bad things. They were much more forgiving than uh, the technocrats that came after them. One of the things that we talk about these days is work-life balance. And I'm wondering if you have any recreational pursuits. Well, you know them. 
there was a long history of heart disease in my family. My Most of the men in my uh, family died in their 50s and 60s from heart disease. And so at a pretty, pretty soon after I moved to California and realized I could be outdoors almost all year, I started um, running and working out. Uh, and in my 40s, I started cycling. And there was a whole group of people and my wife and there were other people, a lot of couples that went. And I think that uh, um, cycling really became the thing that I believe has changed, physically changed my life. Uh, and it's, it, uh, it's, it has brought some balance. I think, first of all, if you exercise, and I know you and I have talked about this, um, you, you think more clearly. It gets all the angst or some of the angst, the major portion of the angst out of your life just to be out on a sunny day when there's not much of a breeze riding along a, a road that's done that too many potholes and um, having the bike with uh, no uh, creeks, just cruising along on a bike at 20 miles an hour and breathing hard and feeling the vitality that you get from being alive. And you can pretty much say to yourself, I am glad I'm alive. And yeah. and I, I know you yeah. feel that. And I feel that. So, Phil, if you couldn't be a lawyer, is there some other uh, occupation that you think that you might choose to do? I've often thought about that. Probably I'd love to work in a bike store or a hardware store. You know, a place where there are toys for men. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, I have one final question. If if you had a magic wand, you could kind of wave it over the world in any field, whether it's the law or anything. Is it, what's what's one thing that that you would that you would change? I would. Um, I think that I'm very worried about democracy. Our democracy. I think democracy is extremely fragile, and it's it is not the way men have nor- men and women have normally lived throughout history. And I think that if if there was a way to get money out of politics, and I'm talking specifically, I guess, after Citizens United, and I, I would try to change that. All right. That's it for today's edition of Love Thy Lawyer. Special thanks to Joel Katz, Brian Matheson, Tracy Harvey, and to you for listening. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Email us at ljgoodman at yahoo.com.